The Bible says in verse number one of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Today we're going to be focusing on a small phrase that we find in verse number 2, where the scripture says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, Lord, it's at this time, this place, that we separated a time for the preaching of your word. Lord, we do pray that your blessing would be about us today. Thank you, Lord, for all these who have come to this church to hear the preaching this morning. Lord, we pray that you'd fill our cup. We pray that you'd speak to hearts today. Lord, perhaps there's someone here today who doesn't know the privilege that it is to lie down in a green pasture, a pasture that you've prepared, the pasture that you've watered, a pasture that you've determined to feed your people in. And Father, I pray that uh, you would help us today as we consider the scripture. And I pray, Lord, that you would save the lost. Lord, we know that there may be someone here today who does not know you as Savior, who could not say along with the psalmist that the Lord is my shepherd. I pray, Lord, that today would be that day of salvation. Lord, I also pray that you would encourage us as your sheep to lie down, uh, to, to go to this place where you lead, where you guide. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help as we consider today. We pray and we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Psalm chapter 23 obviously is written from a position of a, of a shepherd and of a sheep. Sometimes the shepherd is speaking or we're speaking to the shepherd and we're speaking of characteristics of the sheep. Not having any kind of, um, I, I've never been a shepherd. I, I've never been someone who took care of animals. I took care of a rabbit as a child. Um, I've taken care of animals throughout my life. Uh, right now I have the privilege of being a dog owner. And so we, we know what it's like to take care of my, my wife's dog, Charlie. And uh, also my, my son, Jacob, has uh, these other furry creatures that run around my home that I don't care too much for. They say that all dogs go to heaven. I don't know what that means for the cats. But uh, I have cats that uh, I sometimes tend to, you know, and they're nuisances, terrible nuisances. One of the reasons that I'm without sleep today is because one of our cats was scratching at my door at 3 o'clock in the morning. And um, I, I exercised some restraint upon that cat. And uh, my, my family is thankful for that. We had, a, we had a blessing took place when my daughter, Rebecca, who's now 25, she was 16. And a family from our church came over and they said, we're going to give you a, a birthday gift. It was a birthday gift like no other. They gave us a calico cat. All calico cats are females. And that female cat was perpetually pregnant. 18 cats came from that cat within three years. And all I'm going to tell you is this. It was not a good birthday gift. Okay, so as my family grows, I want to encourage anyone at this church, if you have the idea of giving one of my family members a cat, 
Please don't. So I don't know too much about shepherding. But here recently I've been reading a book uh, regarding uh, being a shepherd and the things that need to be uh, at place into a sheep's life in order for them to even lie in a green pasture. And this, this shepherd had identified that need to be present in the life of a sheep in order that it might even get to a place where it would lie down in a green pasture. And, you know, we as God's people, sometimes we're, we're like the sheep. We're fearful. I believe that we live in a country that has been overwhelmed with fear. There could be a number of people today that are taking medications from a doctor because they're dealing with issues like panic and fear. They're worried. They're full of worry and fear and, and concern about tomorrow. And all I, can, all I can tell you is this, that if you're following the good shepherd, the, the shepherd can handle these issues, these issues of fear. In the Christian life, there certainly can be nothing that can substitute for the presence of the shepherd. In this particular shepherd's life, he said that when these sheep were fearful, just his presence there, his shape, the sheep knew his voice and they knew his shape as he would approach them and they wouldn't be startled by the presence of anything. As I was reading the book, he was talking about that there was a time where invited someone to come over to his pasture land or to, to his home, and out of the car, uh, his guest uh, had a dog with him. It was a small little Pyrenees dog or one of those little, little dogs that are, you know, like little Yorkie. He said that little Yorkie jumped out of the car and 200 head of his sheep began to scatter and run and run for the hills just because this dog jumped out of the car. They were originally and initially when this dog jumped out of a car. He was speaking about how a flock can be restless and discontented and always agitated. And, and he said that a flock that's like that could never do that. They'll never eat well. They'll never, they'll, they'll never be in a good health condition because they're continually fearful. Let me ask you a question today. Are you dealing with this issue of fear? You remember, you remember in the Old Testament, there was a man named Jacob. And Jacob had sent his son Joseph out to check on his brothers. And his brothers hated him because he had got that coat of many colors. And they, they plotted to kill him. And they stole his jacket from him and threw him into a pit. And then they devised a plan after they sold him into slavery to lie to their father. And they took that coat back to Jacob and they dipped it into an animal's blood. And they said, we don't know. Is this your son's coat? And when Jacob saw that coat, of course, he knew that it was Joseph's. And for many, many years, he believed that his son was devoured by a wild animal. And no doubt he blamed himself. He blamed himself for sending Joseph out. Well, he had another son, you know. His name was Benjamin. And the Bible talks about how Jacob raised Benjamin. He raised Benjamin so as never to allow Benjamin to leave his sight. So he was kind of like one of these helicopter parents. He never let his child experience life because he was raising the child in fear. My friends, God does not tell us to raise our children in fear. He tells us to raise our children in faith. Now, there are some things we need to be concerned about in this life. You know, as a grandfather now, I'm concerned with how my grandson's going to be raised and in what kind of world we're going to raise my grandson in. 
And really, it's not my choice how, he's get, how he gets raised. I've already told my daughter, as I'll tell everybody else, if you want your child to keep their childhood, you're going to keep them away from a cell phone. Seven-year-olds don't need a smartphone. I certainly didn't need a, a, I didn't need a computer when I was growing up. I didn't send an email till I was a grown adult, till I was married. Why does a seven-year-old need to send an email? They don't have to learn that. Do you know how many wicked things pass over the cell phones now on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook just calling children's attention? It's stealing their childhood away. I'm thankful that in my particular case, I was able to live my life as a child and I didn't have to encounter adult-type situations until after I became a teenager. How many of you had a, 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 a respectable, honest upbringing and you actually enjoyed the fact that you were allowed to be a child? Amen, I am. But sometimes, and I'm not, I'm not mentioning that so that you would raise your children in fear, you have to think about how you're going to raise your family. But many times people are living their lives in fear. They're living their lives in fear because of the things that are happening around us. And this world is certainly filled with it. You know, the Bible talks about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, that when he comes back, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and much national unrest. We see a lot of those things today, don't we? How many of you have been watching the news lately? I mean, there's wars. There's rumors of wars. There's a war going on in Israel. There, there's a place called Iran that's sending their warplanes around our, around our ships. And there's, there's, there's stories about the, the Russians and the Chinese teaming up against, you know, things, that, against people in the Middle East. There's a lot of things that we could be concerned about, amen? But I could tell you this, the Lord leads his people to green pastures. You know, this, this shepherd was talking about how he had to guard his sheep. He said that in one night, one of his neighbors who wasn't paying attention to his flock, two stray dogs got loose among the flock and was able to kill 292 sheep in just one night. Two dogs killed 292 sheep in just one night. So this shepherd said when he began to shepherd the sheep that he would always sleep with his window open. He would pin up the sheep and he would open the window and he would keep his, his rifle and his dog, his sheep dog close to him. And when he heard the least bit of rustling about his sheep, he would make sure that he ran out there to the sheep and would, would make sure that those sheep were okay. Also in his area of the country where he was raising these sheep, he would call these thieves rustlers they would come around in the night and they would try to steal sheep from other people's flocks <laughs> and he said and when the rustlers in his neighborhood got used to the fact that and heard stories about how there was a shepherd who was on the watch and sometimes would sleep out there with his sheep to make sure that no wild beast or, or a rustler got after his sheep and he was sleeping out there with a fully loaded rifle they decided to go on to other parts and I want to hear, I'm here to tell you today that we have a shepherd who watches out for his flock. You know, there's been a lot of times at night when I've been spooked by a little noise when uh, uh, the wind would blow and, you know, I, I would get up and, you know, you know, guard my family. There's really only been one time that uh, anybody's ever tried to break into a house that I was in and it was right here at the Metropolitan Baptist Church right across the way. But all the other noises that I heard in the middle of the night were noises that I didn't need to be concerned about. I'm here to tell you, the Lord knows who I am. The Lord knows where I am and he could make me to lie down in a green pasture. Amen? 
Another aspect of sheep life that he mentions in his book was how that the sheep needed to be free from social unrest. There were social unrest that the sheep, you know, there were, you know, when you deal with chickens, I told you that one time when I moved to Missouri, it was my first trip to the country, and a man said, I'm going to give you ten chickens. I'm going to give you one rooster and, and nine hens. And, and as those little chicks grew up, it was nine roosters and one hen. It wasn't nine hens and one rooster. It was nine roosters. You know how much fighting there was back in my chicken house? That poor hen was running for her life all the time. She barely had feathers on her back, and there were all kinds of roosters fighting with one another. And and we had, you know, one day this old farmer come over. He said, I'm going to take care of this problem tonight. His name was Don Hoke. And thank the Lord for Brother Hoke. He was in his 70s, but he knew how to deal with chickens. And we had homemade chicken and dumplings that night the way that you'd never have eaten in your life. I'm going to tell you something. My mouth is watering, and I didn't have breakfast this morning, so I'm going to go ahead and preach about it. He went in there, and you'd never, you'd never know what a chicken with its head cut off is until you went to a chicken coop with Don Hoke. And Don had something to, ha ha something to say to all them roosters that day. He left that hen alone throughout the, throughout the wintertime. But there, in, in, a, in a chicken house, there's something that you would call a pecking order. And the same thing that you'll see in all the animal kingdom. There's a dominant, a dominant person or a dominant thing within a flock. And this particular shepherd was talking about the, the social unrest that there would be amongst the sheep if there was one of these stubborn ewe lambs running around trying to show their dominance. He said sometimes he would see a little sheep eating on a piece of grass and just minding its own business. And there would be a sheep that would come up that wanted to be the dominant one there. And it would bow out its leg and it would walk in a particular way. And it was basically telling him, telling the other sheep that was there, if you don't get out of this land and you don't let me eat where you're eating, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my head and I'm going to butt you. <laughs> And this shepherd was talking about the amount of times that he had to discipline one of these sheep for basically disturbing the entire flock because it wanted to have its way where it was in this particular style of pasture land. You know, there's some verses in the Bible that would point us out to this very thing. You know, many times the Bible speaks of scientific truths. If you read in, in, in the book of Ezekiel, it talks about this kind of pecking order and how God was going to judge his flock. You ever met somebody like that? And they wanted to rule the roost and they were, they were kind of one of these dominant, they were a bully. They wanted to push people around. They wanted to let people know that they were in charge. And if the whole flock was not at rest or, or was at rest, they could disturb the whole thing. You know, this shepherd was talking about how that there was a competition for status or a conflict and jealousy within the flock. But sometimes this shepherd would say as, as he would come upon a scene and he would see these things happen that sometimes these sheep that were competing for different places and for dominance within the flock when the sight of the shepherd was there, peace would, would ensue. You know, we've seen so similar kinds of unrest within a congregation. People who desire to have a chief place. People who desire to have status or a title. And all they cared about was their own agenda. And they didn't care if it was good for the people or not. It was just as long as their agenda was taken care of. You know, we've seen churches that split over some of the most trivial of matters. Who the church used for an insurance company. <laughs> 
I've seen some of the most foolish things argued about in churches. I had a man tell me one time that he thought the church ought to vote for the kind of toilet paper that we bought. (laughs) You ever met somebody like that? You know what? They felt like their opinions was worth so much and they would cause all kinds of unrest amidst a flock in order to exert their influence and authority over a situation. My friend, when the Bible says that the Lord makes us lie down in a green pasture, there can be peace and rest within the flock of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can tell you this, that no church I ever pastor will vote on toilet paper. I was surprised I didn't hear thank you from that. Thank you, Pastor. I won't go into details, but we'll make sure that they're quality things for us around here at the church. Amen. You know, there's things we can discuss, but sometimes people can be divided over the most trivial of things. You know, there's a... There's a competition for status or a a jealousy within the flock. And you know, the presence of the shepherd many times will put everything into view. This particular competition for status will be seen in every form of life. It will be seen in every business. In every business, there will be those who are trying to accomplish their agenda in every office, in every community, in every church, in every human organization. There will be this sometimes this fight for a pecking order. But I'm thankful that we have a shepherd who is watching what is going on in our lives. There was a day in my life when I did not think the Lord was watching. I felt like all of my acts of service, all of my sacrifice, all the things that I was doing wasn't being noticed by God. How come it seems like I'm stuck? How come it seems like I'm spinning my wheels? And I remember talking to my pastor at the time, and after I got done talking about all the things that were on my heart and in my life, he looked at me and he said, brother, he said, God's keeping score. And I'm here to tell you as somebody who could reflect on that season of my life, God was teaching me things that I could have only learned there. And sometimes when you feel like you're hemmed up and you're not moving anywhere, God's doing something that you can't see. And God's doing his work in your life. He's being a good shepherd to you. What I can tell you is this. There's no step that I took for the Lord and no sacrifice that I've made for the Lord that he hasn't rewarded a hundredfold. God keeps score. God sees. He sees the tears of his people. The Bible talks about our God putting our tears in a bottle. He understands the language of every tear that we have shed. He knows why we are doing things. We as God's people need to remember that there is a God in heaven who is watching what we are doing for him. And he'll reward us at the time when he wants to reward us so we could lie down in that green pasture with the Lord you know there there in this book that he was this the shepherd was talking about you know there are advantages to being the bottom sheep <laughs> the bottom sheep had a whole lot less to worry about that little bottom sheep weren't weren't the ones that were at the forefront of the flock it was that bottom sheep you know sometimes people desire that glamorous front position The old glamour of the ministry. I remember many times when I wasn't the pastor, looking at how the pastor was having to deal with certain problems that the congregation had and situations that were so complicated it would seem that only the hand of God could could solve that particular issue. And I was thinking, I'm glad I'm not in that position. But there are some who just think that this life is all glamorous. 
You know, I was at a preacher's conference recently, and the, the preacher up there was talking about, you know, well, what do you have to worry about, Pastor? You only work two days a week. <laughs> Good pastors are on duty 24-7. And you don't know all the burdens that pastors carry, and I'm not trying to build myself up or anything like that, but it's certainly a burden to be a pastor of one of the Lord's churches. It's a privilege, though. It's a privilege to pastor God's people, and it is, I will say this, it's not always glamorous. I remember coming to an older man's home one time, and I'm not somebody who has a skittish stomach, and they didn't have anybody in their family who could trim his toenails. And I spent time trimming a man's toenails who was in my flock. It's not always glamorous to be a preacher. There have been many of bathrooms that I've cleaned. Many of times that we've done things just... And by the way, I'm still involved in those things. It's still my privilege to put away tables and put away chairs. I haven't graduated from vacuuming floors and cleaning bathrooms and doing all those things. I want to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a privilege to be a servant. And sometimes just being involved in that gives you that sense of purpose and of pride. And remember, the Bible says you can't give a cup of cold water in the name of the Lord without being rewarded of the Lord. The scripture says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. One of the characteristics this man points out was that a sheep, in order to even lie down in a green pasture, that it needed to be free of fear. That the social unrest and the pecking order things had to be set at rest. Another thing that he, he spoke about was that these sheep needed to be free of pests. He said especially during the summertime there were certain types of insects and, and pests. If you've ever been around horses, you might know that those horse flies and things, they just pester them horses and they use their tails and shake their heads in order to get those insects away from them. And a good shepherd would look out for his sheep and he would make sure that he had the appropriate chemicals and insect repellents in order to give his sheep the, uh, the ability just to lay down in a green pasture to get free of insects and parasites. <laughs> there were medications that he would give to the sheep when he was watching out for his sheep in order that they, might, that they might grow. One of the things he said in his book that he said, if you produced this kind of environment for the sheep to grow in, that many times within 10 months of birth, a sheep could reach 100 pounds. Now, I could tell you that when I was given a sheep one time, that sheep was nowhere near 100 pounds. I was, always, I was always interested in the Passover. You know, the Bible talks about the Passover in the Old Testament. The Bible says that Christ is our Passover. And one time a year, they would get to a particular segment of time where the Lord said that they were supposed to go through their flock and pick out a lamb that was without spot and without blemish. It couldn't have been a lamb that was lame. It couldn't have been a lamb that was spotted. It had to have been the very best of the male sheep. It was supposed to be a male of the first year. And they would bring that lamb into the house with them for three days. It was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the end of the three days, after raising this as a house pet, allowing the lamb to feed, to eat, to drink in their homes, that the father at the house would take that lamb and he would slay the lamb as a sacrifice. And then they would, after slaying the lamb and, and dressing the lamb, that the family would have to eat that lamb in one night. And they were supposed to eat it in haste. They were supposed to eat it hurriedly. 
And the Bible said they couldn't leave anything in the morning. Anything that was left of the food in the morning had to have been burned in the fire. So they all had to consume it, and you couldn't have any leftovers. Jesus is no leftover, friend. There's a lot of types that you can get from this, but I was always interested in, because I had been experienced in, in killing deer and how much meat would come from a deer, and uh, a lamb could get to be a fairly large creature. In fact, the lamb that we had was decently large, but the lamb was bowed up with, the, with, with fur and wool. And I picked that lamb up, and I was surprised to see how much water weight there was in that lamb. And the very day that we did that chicken and dumplings deal, we also, we also did a mock Passover, if you will. We took the lamb, and I was surprised to see that the seven people in my family and the three guests that ate at my table, that lamb of the first year that, that, was, that we housed, we all had about four or five bites of that lamb before the whole thing was consumed. And I was able to see that take place. I was always uh, wondering, how could you eat a whole lamb in one night? Well, a family, we had 10 people that day around our table. Two adults, all my children were small. We had five adults and five children. And we were able to consume that whole lamb, and we weren't full at the end of it. It was just kind of a side piece to that particular dinner. But all I could tell you is, is that this, this shepherd was saying that if you allow the right conditions to be in the life of that lamb, that that lamb could grow to a full-grown lamb within 10 months and to be nine to 100 pounds. But most shepherds in his area didn't take care of their sheep the way he took care of his sheep. They weren't buying the uh, in insect repellent. They weren't buying the medications that the sheep needed in order to live this kind of, uh, uh, of life. The elements were not there for the sheep to thrive. But he said a good shepherd will make sure that his sheep have lives that are, that are free of these pests. You know, just by way of making a spiritual analogy to this, some people's lives are full of pests. And they're continually distracted. They're continually itching. They're continually at unrest. They can't sit down to a fine meal. They're distracted by other things. They can't just enjoy the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not lying down in a green pasture, but Jesus can allow you and lead you to a place where you're lying in a green pasture. He maketh me to lie down in a green pasture. The Bible says to some... They've never had a shepherd that's made them do anything. They've acted stubbornly in this life. They're going to do things their way. I want to tell you something. There's a value in doing things the Lord's way. Let's be the sheep of his pasture. We are his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. Psalm chapter number 100. You're here in Psalm chapter number 23. Notice what the scripture says here. In Psalm chapter number 100, the Bible says in verse number 3, the scripture says, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. You say, no, pastor, I'm a self-made man. There is no self-made man. You may have had diligence in your life. You may have achieved great things in your life. But I might remind you, it was God that gave you the intellect that you have. It's God that's given you the physical attributes that you have. It was God who fearfully and wonderfully made you in the womb of your mother. 
I want to tell you something. As a sheep of the Lord, we need to remember we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. We shouldn't be wanting to do things our way. We should want to do things His way. We ought to allow the Lord to take us to this green pasture and, of course, free, uh, uh, feed us there. Which leads us to our last point from Psalm 23, where the Scripture says He maketh us to lie down in green pastures. The Bible says here, this green pasture, you know, in, in eastern lands, especially where David was, it was a novelty to have a green pasture because most of their pasture lands were brown and, 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 and burned by the sun. Green pastures didn't just happen by chance. They were a product of tremendous labor and time and skill. I remember as I was driving back years ago, I had uh, taken a trip out west to try to help a preacher move to a different area of the country, and I was driving the U-Haul van. I always wanted to drive from sea to shining sea, and I don't know that I got it done in that trip, but I was able to drive from the state of Washington uh, all, the way to, uh, the, uh, all the way to the Cincinnati area in, in Indiana, and I was able to drive through uh, Wyoming. I was able to drive through Montana and parts of South Dakota. I, I stopped and saw the... Uh, Oh, uh, what, do they, what do they call that thing in Rapid City, South Dakota? It's escaping my mind this morning. Uh, it's where the four presidents, the stone... Mount Rushmore, thank you. I stopped and saw Mount Rushmore, and I actually paid for a, a, uh, a, a helicopter ride to take us by Mount Rushmore, so I got a first-row seat. And uh, I, w I hadn't been in a helicopter in many years, but me and the man that I was with was a Marine, and he was a helicopter pilot. And boy, we got in that, that helicopter, and he started calling out the little parts, and it was an interesting thing. But uh, I was able to drive around this country, and there were some beautiful parts of the, uh, when we got into Montana, the mountainous region over there. It was, it was beautiful. It, it, was, it was green and lush. But boy, we got into some of the flatlands as we got, the, you know, over towards South Dakota, and all, and it was kind of a, a hot time of the year. All the farmland looked like it was scorched and brown that, that was around us. It wasn't a pretty sight to see. And such was the farmland and the pasture land that, that was there in Israel. Unless a shepherd would take the time to irrigate the land and make sure he brought water into a land and make sure that he had seeds to sow in order that the foliage would be there to feed his sheep. And my friends, today we serve a God who knows how to feed his people. God is good at leading us to a place of a green pasture. It's the devil that would take us to a, a brown and a parched place where there's no water and there's no satisfaction. I'm here to tell you as a preacher, as a minister of the gospel, that if you're sowing and you're living in a field of sin, there will be no green pastures for you. You'll continually be looking for other things because sin doesn't satisfy. But Jesus Christ satisfies. The Bible says he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. This is the, the picture of a satisfied sheep. It's a picture of someone who is not hungry. I remind you that Jesus Christ, when he spoke to the woman on the well, at the well, he told her she had been all, through all these marriages and now she was just living together with somebody and she wasn't married. And Jesus said, if you drink the water that I give you, you'll never thirst again. 
And there's a certain water, this, this water of, uh, of everlasting life that you can drink. And when it comes to the matter of salvation, you'll never be thirsty again. But there's some people in this culture and this pe- of our people that are very thirsty. And they're looking to get their, their, their thirsts satisfied by the things of this world. And I'm here to tell you there is no satisfaction in the things of this world. Some people look for satisfaction in a relationship. They find out that that relationship is not as fulfilling as what they thought it would be. My friend, before you can actually be a good kind of a a marital partner, a husband or a wife, you first need to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to be satisfied from the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, then you can be the kind of spouse that you're supposed You say, are you telling me that I can't be as good of a husband as I can be without the Lord? Absolutely. Every single man in this room needs the Lord. We need the Lord to lead us to this green pasture. We need to be content in that pasture. We need to be satisfied in the pasture of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. And most people that are here today, we're seasoned in this life. We've been through a lot of things. Right now in your life, are you in a green pasture? Are you content? Are you satisfied? Is your life free of these pests? Are you, are you focused upon the Lord? Is, is just the fact that the shepherd is near enough for you? Is the Lord close to you? You know, the Bible tells us that we know that the Lord is close to them that are of a broken heart. Could be somebody here today, and you have a broken heart. The Bible says in Psalm 34 that the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. Psalm 34 and 18, the, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. There could be somebody here today and you're burdened about something. You know, in spite, and, I, and I've mentioned this here recently much because you can't give your spiritual peace to other people who are outside of yourself. I want, if the Lord is my shepherd, and I say I shall not want, what happens if my wife goes through a phase in her life when she's discontented with things? What if she wanders a bit? Can I still have the Lord as my shepherd and completely satisfied if, say, my wife is not at the place she needs to be spiritually? Absolutely I can. I cannot give my spiritual peace to someone else. That's between my Savior and me. My salvation is between my Savior and me. You know, if my children do things that I don't want my children to do. I can't give my spiritual peace to my children. In other words, I'm not telling the Lord I'll only be happy if this set of circumstances is true in my life. I can be satisfied with God even if everything I want to be happening in my life is not happening. The Lord can make me lie down in a green pasture. Are you in a green pasture today? Are you well fed? Is the Lord feeding you? Are you satisfied with your relationship with the Lord? To some, you don't know that you're saved. If you died tonight, you're just not sure. I don't know where I'd be. Some people do know where they'd be, and they wouldn't be in heaven. They know that they're lost and that they've never received Jesus Christ as their Savior. Today, I want to encourage you to get saved before it's eternally too late. It's never too late to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, Pastor, I've been a member of this church for many years. It won't matter if you're lost. If you die, it won't matter that your name has been on the membership roll at the Metropolitan Baptist Church. 
You say, I've got a decent tithing record, Pastor. I give of my tithes and offerings to the Lord. Giving won't get you into heaven. You can't pay your way into heaven. There's only one way to go to heaven, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He loved you. He gave himself for you, the Bible says, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You can't go to heaven unless you receive Christ as your Savior. You say, how do I receive Christ as, your, as my Savior? You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. And you have to acknowledge that Christ is the only way that you can be saved. Jesus Christ did everything that he's ever going to do to save your soul when he died on Calvary's cross. He's not coming back to die again. He shed his blood for the remission of sin. He said it is finished and that payment was made. If you're not saved today, won't you be saved? Matter of fact, I can tell you this, if you're lost today, there have been people around this church who've been praying for you, might not even know your name. But we pray around this church that God would save the lost, that people who come to an understanding that they are lost in a service, that they would have the, in, that they would have the courage to step out and say, okay, today I'm receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. But if you're a sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ... Have you wandered from this field where you can be content? Have you been cumbered about by fear and by worry, by trepidation about this world? Are you, are you anxious of things? Let the Lord be your shepherd and lead you to this place where, hey, his presence is all I need. We sang that song this morning. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. I thank the Lord that when we take a drink from the Lord Jesus Christ, that drink satisfies our never-dying soul. But there is some rest that we need in this life. If you're not lying in the green pasture, if you're not, being, uh, if you're not uh, you know, allowing yourself to be led by the shepherd today, if you've wandered off into some different field, why don't you get your heart right with the Lord today during this invitation? Let's stand together with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, as we prepare for a verse of invitation. We ask the Lord's blessing on this service at the beginning. There could be somebody here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. If you're, if you're lost, you know that you're lost. It's a simple act of faith to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It happens one time just as a baby is born. Being born again is when you call on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. It doesn't need to happen again and again and again. The Lord doesn't boot you out of his family if you sin. There could be somebody here today and you've never had peace with God about salvation. This is, this is a time of invitation. We want to invite you to come. There could be uh, somebody here today and you say, I'm saved, but oh, I've been wandering for a little while. I've gone away from this field, this green pasture land, and I'm going to come back to the Lord today or I'm going to bring something to the Lord and I'm going to pour it out before him at this altar call and I'm going to trust Jesus Christ with it. As Brother John sings this first verse, I hope and pray that you'll come. My Jesus, I love thee. Won't you come today? In that green pasture land, you one of those sheep with the famished soul, famished heart, running around from thing to thing. Let God have his way in your heart.
Let's all sing on verse number two. I love thee. That's why we love the Lord. And purchase my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If people said. Amen. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord today. Have a good crowd here this morning. We're so thankful that you chose to come here and worship with us at the Metropolitan Baptist Church. Uh, For those of you who are wondering, we are having services tonight at 6 p.m. If you'd like to be back tonight, uh, we're going to be back in the book of uh, 2 Timothy tonight, dealing with the departure. Uh, The Apostle Paul said the time of his departure was at hand, and we're going to be dealing with that this evening, and we're so thankful that you chose to be with us. We'll be back at 6 p.m. tonight. Uh, Ladies, don't forget this Tuesday night is your uh, ladies Bible study and this coming Saturday is our Valentine's banquet. We would encourage you to sign up. There is a sign up sheet in the back, correct? All right. There is a sign-up sheet in the back. We'd love to know how many to prepare for. So if you plan on coming to that, uh, you could be a real blessing to our youth department if you'd be able to come. Plus, we'll have a great time of fellowship. Uh, Come to be a blessing on this coming uh, February the 17th. That's this coming Saturday. Uh, Sign up as you're on your way out. All right. Let's go to the Lord in a word of dismissal prayer. I'll have Brother John Davison come and dismiss the service in prayer, please. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for all your blessings, Lord. Thank you for being our good shepherd, Lord, for loving us, for caring for us, for doing what's best for us, Lord. And even though sometimes it's hard and sometimes we feel your correction, Lord, we we know that it's for our best. Those that you love, Lord, you correct. We thank you for that. We thank you for your salvation that you provided for us. We thank you for your love for us. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to love you and to give back to you uh, our entire lives. Uh, Everything that we say and do, Lord, that it would glorify you. Thank you for being faithful, Lord. Lord, we ask that you be with us the rest of this day, the evening services tonight, Lord. We pray that uh, your word will be spoken again, Lord, and we'll uh, learn from your word what you would have us to do and how you would have us to live. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.